1: Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started.
2: Hi, my name is Ashley. My pronouns are she, her, and I am talking with Nigar Alam. And we are here to talk about her book, under the tamarind tree, particularly refugees and the um, importance of character and um, its development. So Nigar, can you please introduce yourself, your pronouns? And then my first question for you is what is your definition of feminism?
3: Hi Ashley, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. My name is Nigar Alam and my pronouns are she, her. And to me, feminism means equality in society and under the law. So we have the same opportunities and the rights in terms of education and pay, all the life choices one has, so equality. Thank you. And what is the, what is Under the Tamarind Tree about? So the book is set in Karachi, Pakistan, and it alternates between the present day and 1964, when the main character, Rosina, and her three childhood friends are on the precipice of adulthood. They're in their 20s, but they're all desperately holding on to secrets. And those secrets lead to a tragic, life-changing night for all of them. And in the present day, older Rosina gets a telephone call from someone she hasn't heard from in over 50 years. This person asks for a favor and that might just expose all the secrets and destroy the life that she's built. So it's about um, the ripple effects of trauma and how far we go to protect the ones we love.
2: So how have you seen stories about refugees portrayed in society? And how did you want this story to uplift them and to give their stories meaning?
3: Well, in the news, often the word refugee doesn't hold enough meaning, I feel, because they're all put together in one big group. And, and often the angle is the burden that they cause other countries. And instead of actually investigating what each life goes through, I felt that until we see individual lives and the specificity of one family, a group of people and what they go through, we, don't, we can't empathize with the state of, of that title refugee which is just tossed around, I think, often in the media. So I think individual stories are the way to go. And of course, this story doesn't represent every experience at all, not the, the South Asian experience, certainly it doesn't reflect any other experience, but the family that is is mentioned in the book. And it is fiction, completely fiction, but of course, The traumatic event of partition is a historical event.
2: I also saw that you talked about the Oral History Project of the Citizens Archive of Pakistan. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how that was inspirational for your work?
3: That was such a wonderful discovery that I came across while I was researching. And this organization collects and records and then preserves oral histories of people who are survivors of partition in 1947. So that means that every year there are fewer survivors uh, left on earth. And this is something that survivors often don't even talk to their own families about. But this organization, I think it's been around for over a decade now and they have made it their mission To preserve these stories and um, make them available for future generations. And it was just so eye-opening to hear and little snippets and to read stories of people who haven't shared with anyone, actually in many cases, but at this stage in their lives, they are willing to talk to strangers and tell them what they went through. Um, It was really, I am so happy that this organization exists and it's a great service yes. that they are doing.
2: Yeah. And Rosina is told that um, a character in her community um, is, is spreading gossip about her. And how does perception um, hinder Rosina and her family's reputation in this community?
3: So societal expectations was a big part of this story. And I feel that even though it it was set in the 60s on the other side of the world, I think that modern day people all over the world face that in some way or the other. Um, Pressure by society to behave in a certain way or even family expectations. And so that was something that she experienced and had to protect herself from uh, because the consequences could have been quite dire in those days, maybe not so dire in these days, but it is something that I think that we can all relate to, those society pressures.
2: Yes. And, you know, it's important because she's also a woman. So it's just, you know, I'm sure if it were a man, it would just kind of be, oh, that's just the way that he is, even no matter what the time period, but just the fact that it's, you know, someone um, who is a woman and having those expectations, as you said, can be truly detrimental. And, um, you know, she's like, no, I wasn't doing that, but perception unfortunately is everything.
3: It is absolutely. And you're so right that it was her being a woman that made it so, so much worse because it's just laughed off for men. If such a situation were to happen, it would be, oh, boys, are, boys will be boys. Um, and it is certainly not something unheard of even these days, unfortunately.
2: And to close the conversation, this conversation, what organization is important to you that you would like to amplify to our audience?
3: Well, I live in the suburbs of Minneapolis, and one of the really important organizations for my writing life has been the Loft Literary Center, which is this literary center which offers all sorts of classes and conferences and literary gatherings, author talks, and that's where I took my first novel writing class about nine years ago, and that just set off a lot of learning for me in every way. It helped me build a community, which I feel is extremely important for writers, that community, that support, and not just in gaining knowledge, but also going through the ups and downs of publishing and just other people who understand you and are there for you. So it was definitely life-changing for me to be a member of the Loft Literary Center.
2: Nigar Alam, thank you for joining us to talk about Under the
3: Tamarind Tree. Thank you so much for having me. If
1: you are a fan of Taylor Jenkins Reid, Jacqueline Woodson, Kylie Reid, Christina Enriquez, or Lisa Ko, I have a book that you are going to want to read immediately. Sweet Soft Plenty Rhythm by Laura Worrell was just released in paperback and is the sexy, passionate, honest, and raw literary novel you've been craving. Don't take it from me though, the accolades are numerous. Sweet Soft Plenty Rhythm was named Book of the Year by Oprah Daly and Kirkus, and one of the most anticipated books from The Washington Post, People, Literary Hub, and more. It was nominated for the Penn Faulkner Award and the Andrew Carnegie Medal for Excellence in Fiction, so yeah, it has some meat to it. Sweet Soft Plenty Rhythm is the story of a messy jazz man we love to hate and the women who love him, and are loved by him. This isn't romance, but it's definitely romantic. This book is a real look at women's love, from family to friends to lovers to partners. It's a story about bad boys, about music, and about the multitudes of women's stories. So if you love multiple points of view in a literary novel, one that shows the messiness and the complications of love, and novels that really champion the stories of women, you can't miss Sweet Soft Plenty Rhythm by Laura Worrell, now available in paperback from Vintage.
0: Welcome to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. My name is Ra, and today I am joined with Nox and Jordi to talk about my favorite thing in books. We all have niche interests, and mine just happens to be con artists. Nox, how do you feel about the con artist character?
4: Hey, y'all. My name is Nox. Pronouns are she, her, and I love con artist characters. I love, I don't know, there's something so fun about rooting for someone you know is a liar. (laughs) Like, it's just... I really enjoy when it shows up in books. I don't think I've really ever gone out and sought it out in books, but um, whether it's like there's an author I've read multiple times who every time there's a con in their book that ends up being the books that I like of theirs. It's like for like a hit hit or miss author, it's like I realize oh I really like the books where cons show up, or. Whether it's like, I have a plan and I just want to see how this plan comes to fruition and I want to see the trouble you get yourself in. It's just so fun to see you dig yourself into this hole. How are you going to get out of it? I love con artist characters.
0: And uh, Jordy, I know you mentioned that you're fairly new to reading con artist characters. What are your thoughts?
5: I'm not sure if it's the books that I'm gravitating toward, but for me, it's the brazen unapologetic psychopathic tendencies and i think it's so interesting to get into the mindset of somebody who is so different from me to the point that while i'm reading this book i have to put it down to come back to later because i feel so stressed out like somehow i'm the actual character like i'm doing these things and i'm gonna get found out and whatnot so it's it's definitely an exciting Journey to read somebody's story like that and to see the range of characters from, you know, they feel absolutely nothing after they kill like seven people to characters who have somewhat of a conscience, but they're still going to decide to do whatever it is that's the best for them to the detriment of everyone around them.
0: Heck yeah. And con artists can definitely range from like whether they're stealing to killing to just pretending to be somebody that they're not. And something about that is just so freaking appealing um so let's uh let's give the people what they want and tell them about our favorite books about con artists so up first i want to talk about the guest by emma klein when i originally read this book i gave it three stars but then i couldn't stop thinking about the main character alex uh the descriptions about her and just everything that i read about her made me want to give her a dang hug Alex conned her way into my life. <laughs> in, in the book, essentially, she is turned away by an older man that she's vacationing with, and she's convinced that this is, is a mistake, and uh, he'll want to see her later at his Labor Day party at the end of the week. So we end up following her day by day as she drifts around Long Island. That's where they're vacationing, uh, waiting for that day to arrive. So she's just conning her way through people. And I think it's fantastic. So after a couple of days, I ended up giving the book five stars. (laughs) I love Alex. The second book I want to talk about is Killing Me by Michelle Gagnon. Killing Me is a ride. First of all, the whole story starts off with our main character in the trunk of a car being taken away by a serial killer. And after an interaction with the woman who saved her, this woman serially kills serial killers. Amber, who's our main character, is thrusted back into the life that she was trying to get away from and that's being a con artist there's lesbians prickly motel owners all on the backdrop of las vegas and my favorite part is that there are no cops they refuse to call the cops it's so fun
4: (laughs) so when i was like thinking of the books i want to recommend i was like i had to really think about what, what counts as like a book with a con in it and it led me to one of my I was talking to one of my friends, and my friend was like, Well, what about my friend Anna? And I'm like, Who? And they go, It's a true story. It's written by the person who one of the people that got conned. And it's called My Friend Anna, The True Story of a Fake Heiress by Rachel Deloche Williams. And it's essentially about how this woman pretended to be a German heiress and was able to get people to continue paying for her for things by saying oh, no, my car got declined, I have to talk to my parents, or, oh, no, I have to talk to my bank. And she swindled one person out of $63,000 on a single trip. And she had been doing this for years of different things. And, like, as the person goes back, is talking about how this person was always forgetting their card or how their card was always getting declined after she would invite them out to, like, uh, expensive lunches. I was just sitting there, like how like I was just more in shock like how did how did somebody manage to do this for that long where people were like yeah no and she would like give away like clothes that she was wearing or that she had in her closet to her friends so they would be like oh well, Anna's so generous she gave me this uh I don't know any fancy brands but like she gave me this I don't know designer dress you know I was really trying to think of a designer
0: (laughs) I can't think of one either it's okay
4: (laughs) I was like who who designs dresses Gucci just does purses I think does Gucci do dresses I I have no idea I only know the designers that my aunt named her animals after (laughs) amazing Um, but yeah it's her um, Rachel pretty much talking about how It starts with the trip where Rachel ends up paying like $63,000 that Anna swears she's going to pay back once they're in New York. And how frustrated she was when Anna wasn't really reacting to things and her talking about how Anna didn't really like being bothered by people, things like that. She always seemed to sort of like get away with it because she would just be like, don't worry about it. I got it. I got it. Don't worry about it. And she'd get frustrated and Karen with the hotel workers and things like that, she'd be able to get away with all of this until she couldn't. When they were in a different country, and so they they said they were just going to put it as a um, as a block, like they're just going to put it as like a potential charge on Rachel's card, and then then it was, well, you need to sign this pre authorization, you know, so that we can do the block to her bank, telling her no, they're taking the money out of your account. To them being like, well, yeah, that's how we do blocks. Don't worry, your friend said that she's going to pay for it. It's just so that we don't have to keep being like, what the hell's going on? Mm -hmm. And Anna just being completely unbothered the entire time. Yeah. To just all this, how essentially everyone came to find out about Anna being, being a con artist because of this encounter with Rachel. And Anna
0: Delvey's story was actually very big for a while. They even made a Netflix series about it. And uh, They did? Yeah, it's called Inventing Anna. And uh, Renee and I actually talked about con artists about last year around this time. And uh, (laughs) Anna Delvey, we talked about her.
4: (laughs) I just like, oh my God, she really got away with that much. Like, I... I'm, so I'm, like, looking for housing right now, and, like, the people who are very much, like, scammers with, like, affordable sublets. Like, I had one person where I was, like, well, I need housing, so I have to hope this is real. And then, so I sent a deposit, and then they're, like, oh, actually, I need more money. And after that, I'm, like, mm, no. Because now you're suddenly telling me there's something wrong with the house that you're going to fix in a day if I send you half the rent now before I see it. Mm-hmm. And that's not happening. You know, so I'm, I just, like... oh my god I get I get why Rachel lost like because essentially then she went and been able to leave right you know it's like she she really was forced into that position and just the way that Anna would put people in those positions so that's like well if nobody pays we can't go (laughs) well that's that's what con artists
0: do um let's move on to the next one though uh do you have another one that you're thinking about talking about
4: Yeah. um, So it's not so much that the next book is a con. It's sort of it has similar elements. And I think that that's where I've been finding books that I really enjoy is that they'll have certain elements. But it feels weird calling them a con, especially when they're like for survival's sake, like the next book. And so the next book is We Set the Dark on Fire by Taylor K. Mejia. And I think cons have the element of I need to lie to reach this goal. I have this goal and it's very important to me and I will do whatever it takes to make sure this goal is met even if it could potentially hurt people I care about or just people in general. And the main character in We Set the Dark on Fire, Danny, she lives on the inside of the wall when she was born outside of the wall. And so it's a big part of the book actually where it's like the only other person who knows that she was outside of the wall is Carmen. Mm-hmm. and at first she and Carmen don't get along, but then they're, they both have the same husband, and so now they need to start getting along, or at least Danny needs to play nice, in the sense that she has to like make sure that she isn't... She has to like be on her toes in case Carmen does say something. And then at the end of the book, <laughs> we learn something about Carmen, where Carmen has been doing a con the entire time, including over Danny, <laughs> as these two started falling for each other carmen has been keeping a really large secret and carmen has been like conning not just danny but everyone and i think at the end she fakes carmen fakes her death i wonder if i'm remembering that correctly
0: oh spoiler
4: alert <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, but it's like the things that they'll do like to make sure their secrets are kept danny's very much like a I'd say chaotic good in a sense
3: mm-hmm.
4: where she's like, okay, this needs to say a secret. This needs to say a secret, but she's not going to do anything in the sense where it's like, I'm going to put other people in jeopardy. Like, she won't do anything like that. Carmen, on the other hand, is, I'd say, like chaotic neutral in a sense where um, she's like, this is what's right. However, like, if people get implicated in what I'm doing, it sucks, but it's for the greater good. And so I definitely think that that works in a sense, not in like a traditional sense for mm-hmm. cons, but I just thought it worked with like the elements that I can think of.
0: Well, those are two great suggestions, Nox. Um, I'm kind of bummed out. Jordy got dropped off on our call here and she was going to also share two great books with us. Um, but since she cannot, I guess I'm going to just give some honorable mentions for her. Uh, so, Jordi wanted to talk about Stone Cold Fox by Rachel, Rachel Kohler-Croft, which I know nothing about. Uh, have you read Stone Cold Fox at all, Knox? I
4: haven't, but I've heard a lot about it in the sense that, like, I've heard good things about it, but not necessarily what the book's about, other than the fact that it, it's about a con.
0: Fantastic. It belongs on the list, then.
4: it It's... Uh the the main character's mom was a con artist Ooh. and she like she marries a rich fa- uh, into a rich family or she, her mom wants her to no she wants to okay yeah again this is what happens when you don't read the book so she <laughs> she wants to marry the, into a really rich family but so she has to pretend she's not who she is Mm. and so she's like okay I'm just going to con one last time so that they think I am who I am they don't think that I am you know a con artist and my mom has you know been pretty much raising me to do this and then we'll just be married I can be myself I can leave this life behind things like that and then things get really really dangerous (laughs)
0: always that sounds that sounds very similar to killing me it's like you want to go straight you're going to do one last con and then everything
4: goes to shit it feels like the it feels like the girls i've been by tess sharp i'm unfamiliar the main character um her mom was a con artist and she's she's a teenager in the book her mom was a con artist and she i i forget what happens to the point where she doesn't live with her mom anymore i think her mom got arrested so she went to like a system or i don't know what happens but at this point she's been out of like con life and um she has her ex-boyfriend she has the girl she has a crush on they're all friends it's very awkward and they all go to the bank and when they all go to the bank a robbery happens and she realizes that in order to um, make sure that she and her friends get out there safe, out of there safely, she needs to use like the skills that her mother taught her as a con artist because her mom would like have her be a part of her cons as a kid. You know, she'd be like, "Okay, uh, I want to say her name is Nora. Nora, I was right. I love being right." she's like you're gonna I'm gonna teach you how we're going to do this, you know I'm gonna teach you how to con people, okay, so it wasn't that I looked it up. It wasn't that um her mom got caught. it was her mom fell in love with the guy they were supposed to be conning, so Nora ran away, and it's been five years of not having to be a con and of just getting to live a normal life and she is dating the the other girl in the group by the point this point she their girlfriends her and iris but and her ex walked in on them kissing they hadn't told him that they were dating yet Mm. and then they have to go to the bank and then people start robbing it and she's like oh okay we're hostages i know how to get us out of this i just have to do some stuff i haven't done in a long time
0: (laughs) that uh that sounds great that's the girls i've been
4: Yeah, I think it's going to be a movie.
0: Ooh, sign me up. I love a good movie.
4: I think Netflix is turning it into a movie. Fantastic.
0: Um, Well, the other book that Jordy was going to recommend was Kill for Love by, I'm going to be so sorry if I mispronounce this last name, but Laura Picklesimer. Picklesimer. I love that last name. (laughs) And I also don't really know much about this book either. I do have plans to read it. Um, essentially it is a woman conning men and then killing the men so it's a searing satirical thriller about tiffany who is a privileged los angeles sorority sister who is struggling to keep her sadistic impulses so playing a part while you're masking and uh, doing some dirty deeds (laughs) uh and i think the last book i kind of really want to talk about is yellow face by rf kwong because it was such a good book we've talked about it here before have you had an opportunity to read it
4: Knox? oh yeah i read it in one day i like the day it came in from like my libby holds i was like and the the one problem with me being a mood reader is usually by the time the holds get there i'm like i wanted to read you but do i right now but also, I need to because there's like a 90-week wait list after this. <laughs> because, like, it's like, I'm a mood reader. It's not that I don't want to read the book. It's just that, like, are you what I'm in the mood for right now? And the day that came in, I was like, yes, I still want to read this. <laughs> and immediately, like, delved into the – I listened to the audiobook, which was – the audiobook was really good. And I'm just, like, laying there in bed because I was also having a pain flare that day. And I'm just laying there in bed. Pe- in bed in pain but also like enraptured in this story (laughs) like i feel like most con books i kind of root for the person who's doing the con
0: oh you could not root for this main character like (laughs) this was not like a fun like uh robin hood con situation no this was june just trying to get what to get hers and doing it badly and (laughs) sliding herself into doing worse and worse things because oh gosh listeners if y'all have not had a chance to pick up yellow face do yourself a favor like nox said as soon as the book came off libby holds she listened to it right away i did too as soon as i got my hands on the audiobook i listened to it right away and yeah our main character we don't like her because she deals her author friend's manuscript in the wake of her death because she envied her friend's success and wanted to know what that success felt like because her author career her own author career was just lackluster so yeah June's a con playing yellow face
4: yeah she's the worst (laughs) that's the thing it's like every other con book I'm like I can't wait to see how you get through how you get away with this I'm like cheering for the con in the book's and in yellow face, it's I hate you so much. When will you go down? And the book is so long <laughs> that it's like every time it's like, and this is it. And this is it. Why do I still have 60% left of this audiobook? Isn't this the moment where you get caught? Mm-hmm. And they really hit on like every single thing I could think of that has been like happening in like the book community that I can think of when it comes to, you know, like authors, you know, Writing books with like cast of characters of color, but the author is white, and so the representation is uh, or um authors looking at Goodreads reviews and then getting mad when somebody gives them a negative review and starts digging into who is this person, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, her saying like, oh, I got on the um, I thought of a Taylor uh, from Liberation is Lit. She goes, like, I was on the book club of, like, some predominant Republican uh, senator, or uh, Republican politician's daughter's book club on national TV, which my friend had to point out was Reads with Jenna.
0: Oh, yeah, Reads with Jenna. <laughs> Wait, Taylor was
4: on there? <laughs> no, Taylor. Taylor wrote a blog post. Oh, I
0: that was a great blog post. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the
4: blog post talking about how the books that reads of Jenna picks, and so now whenever I think about that line in Yellowface, I think about Taylor. Mm-hmm. And like the entire time, June's like, "I'm a good person." Uh, Athena was a bad person too, you know, and will be like, "Here, are all the bad things that Athena's done." Which, if June is to be believed because they're an unreliable narrator then yeah Athena did bad stuff but at the same time it's like you're still a terrible person
0: so basically we like characters who we don't know if we can trust them and that's kind of cool and kind of (laughs) fun
4: in certain ways there are sometimes where like with unreliable narrators I'm like I can't read this book like I just I can't read certain like types of unreliable narrators, but I think Yellowface is exception to that because at the same time it's so it's so clear though that what June is doing is bad even if it's not clear to June. Mm-hmm. Personally, I can't really read books where it's the narrator so unreliable that um that I can't tell what's real. Or what's not. But that's for very pers. That's like very specific to me. I also think because of like mental health reasons. Um, you don't see me. Fair. You can't all see me do my little dance behind the camera every time <laughs> I say mental health reasons. It's like this one. It's just it's so clear what's going on, and I think even with most other con books, the cons are honest at least themselves about what they're doing, about who they are, and about why they're doing this. Mm -hmm. you know it's yellow face is the exception but it was such a good book
0: (laughs) (laughs) agreed well it looks like we're running short on time so I want to kind of start wrapping up and I just want to say like this is a great start to this kind of niche genre list but I want to share a couple honorable mentions before we say goodbye Um, counterfeit by Kristen Chen uh, definitely a woman changing the trajectory of her life and going into the con artist life history um and adult drama by natalie beach which is a non-fiction book of essays about uh caroline calloway's ghostwriter and um all the drama that surrounded caroline calloway if you don't know who she is google it the flyer lady by dl soria it's a cinderella retelling where the main character is basically lied her way into the castle. And yeah, do you, did you have any that you would like to add final on this final list,
4: Knox? I have two that I read when I was younger because I just realized both of them kind of count. Again, again I take the def- definition of con books very loosely because these this is wasn't a genre I really sought out. Um, so like traditional con books, I really didn't know a lot about. Um, but one is The False Princess by... Ellis O'Neill. And it's not that the main character is a con. It's that she was th- the con. Um, she grew up thinking that she is this print, the princess of this kingdom. And then on her 16th birthday, people come and they're like, haha ha, you thought. No, you're not. Go back to life as a commoner and here's the real princess because you've essentially been Everyone was like, somebody's going to try to kill the princess before she turns 16 because of a prophecy. The princess is 16. Nobody tried to kill you, so we're all good. Yeah. Go live out the rest of your life, you know, and things like that. And then she learns more about what's going on in the kingdom. And so she has to find, you know, a way to save it. And it's like a con within a con within a con. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's like un-layer, undoing all these layers when she was the initial part of that con. I remember really enjoying it as a kid. Again, I was in fifth grade, so I I don't remember. I don't know if I'll still like it if I read it now, um, but I remember liking it. And then the second book um, I'm going to reread soon is Fairest by Gail Carson Levine, which is my favorite book of all time. It's a Snow White retelling by the author that wrote Ella Enchanted. Fun. And I was like, this isn't a con book, but the queen of the country that the main character is in. Is essentially using the main character to con the kingdom into thinking that she can sing. Because that's <laughs> the thing about like Ella, like the world that like Ella Enchanted is in, where each country has like something that's really important to them mm-hmm. that like matters beyond all things. And the queen from this kingdom is not from this kingdom, she's from a different kingdom where everyone dances. And so she's a great dancer, very graceful. She loves balls and parties where they can dance. And she marries the king of a country where singing, how well you sing, is supposed to define your worth as a person. Mm -hmm. And essentially, the king gets sick. And so that's not a spoiler. It's the beginning of the book. (laughs) Um, the (laughs) uh, The king gets injured and falls ill at the wedding so everyone's like you need to sing in front of the country we're all gonna do like we have weekly singing festivals where we start with the person lowest in rank and we end with the person highest in rank you need to sing as good you need to be the best singer out there if your husband's going to get better and she's like i can't sing and she finds out that the main character who's considered it's a like play on fairest of them all where it's like they take the traits that uh Snow White's described as having, which is like, skin as white as snow, hair as black as ebony, um, lips as red as blood, and they're like, she works, it. her family owns an inn, and she has to stay away from the people in the inn because she scares them with her looks. Yeah. And so it's very much like, oh, who could love her? She's not beautiful, things like that. But she has the best voice out of everyone in the kingdom, and she has this ability to throw her voice around and things like that. And so the... Queen essentially is lip syncing, is lip syncing, and making the main character throw her voice to pretend that the queen is singing, and they're conning the entire kingdom essentially into thinking that the queen is this miraculous singer, and that she's going to save the king. And then the queen has a magic mirror, and so much stuff happens. <laughs> um, There's some range in these
0: books that we have listed out. We got yeah. we got you know Snow White retelling with singing and it's very wholesome and then we have Kill for Love where it's us a socialite chopping up men. Well, Great, they <laughs> do they do straight
4: up try to kill the main character like numerous times. Oh god, they do try to. I think the mirror especially tries to kill the main character. It does have like a, a a prince who has a dog which was the main reason I liked it as a kid was that the prince had a, a dog and I loved the prince and the dog but it's it's just really fun to watch watch the queen go you're helping me do this and by helping me I'm making you do this mm-hmm. and then when they get, when they, when people are like what's going on she made me do it and like point <laughs> off at the main character and the character's like what the fuck and, and it's like now she has to find a way to get out of it but the main the queen's always playing like the long game. she genuinely mm-hmm. loves her husband, but she's always playing the long game when it comes to everyone else and it's great well i uh I appreciate
0: it. I appreciate all all of your recommendations and contributions to this um and listeners, if y'all feel like there was a book that should be on this list, feel free to reach out. Um, you can find our info in the show notes. And uh, yeah, so thank you. I'm Ra. I'm Knox. And uh, happy reading. Thanks, friends. Bye.
1: Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club.